good afternoon. We're ready to start our 5 o'clock fire safety education. We have two uh, distinguished gentlemen with us. First, we have uh, Fire Inspector Fernando Juarez, and we also have with us from DBI, Jane Sambal-Masu. Uh, Inspector, please start. Okay, hi. Thank you, uh, Gary. Uh, my name is James Sempamatsu. I'm the acting chief housing inspector here at the Department of Building Inspection. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about myself, I've been in the department for 20 years. I've been a district inspector for 15 years in the Bayview, Chinatown, North Beach, Excelsior, Viz Valley, Western Edition, Ingleside, and the Sunset. Uh, I created and run a, a community outreach program that helps to educate landlords and tenants and to uh, bring cooperation and communication into improving habitability and uh, improving fire safety. Uh, I participated in the fire safety task force of the Board of Supervisors and I am uh, sitting in for Chief Housing Inspector Rosemary Bosky. So, uh, you want to introduce my name's Fernando Juarez. I'm a fire inspector with the San Francisco Fire Department. I have over 25 years in the department, and I'm going to talk about fire safety, smoke alarms, and uh, home escape planning and calling 911. Um, there'll be a lot of time at the end for answering questions. We'll, we'll stick around, uh, and we're just going to keep going right through this. So do I have the first slide here? I think I have a few slides before you start. Right. Right. So we need to go back. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the next slide is the fire safety workshop agenda. And we're going to talk about what you should know about residential fires, which are traumatic events, um, which destroy life and livelihoods. Uh, I myself survived a fire when I was in my 20s, um, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that later. We're going to discuss uh, general fire statistics, uh, the San Francisco housing stock characteristics and vulnerabilities, um, and prevention and awareness is especially important here in San Francisco because of the older housing stock we have, which is mostly made out of wood. It's fragile and extremely vulnerable to fire. And so uh, having a consciousness about fire safety is really important. We're going to talk about apartment building fire safety inspections, fire detection, suppression, egress, maintenance, what we in the city do. Uh, and we're also going to talk about what you can do for fire prevention related to apartments, common areas of apartment buildings, adjacent prop properties, which is a huge uh, issue uh, in my experience to try to Im improve everybody's fire safety consciousness and awareness, which can make people safe. Uh, next one. So the roles of the departments, we have the fire department, which enforces the SF fire code. The fire department has a staff of 1,500 strong, brave, talented firefighters who put their bodies on the line. They do fire suppression in difficult circumstances, and they do fire prevention and fire code enforcement. The Department of Building Inspection um, has the San Francisco Housing Code, 
where we are enforcing a uh, minimum level of habitability. And 9% of all housing code violations are related to fire safety. Um, we're going to get into some statistics here. Uh, but first, I brought a, we brought a video to show you how quick a fire can spread. Uh, when you're watching this, keep in mind that 30 to 40 years ago, furnishings burned a lot slower. They were made of things like wood and cotton and wool, and uh, they, they didn't burn as fast as what the materials that they're made out of today. Today we have uh, furnishings made out of polyurethane foam and plastic and uh, synthetics, and so they burn a lot quicker. Um, you'll see uh, uh, a, uh, t a clock on the bottom corner of the screen timing the fire, and you can time it for, or you can time it for yourself. Uh, the smoke alarm takes almost two minutes to go off before, uh, and, and at, at that time, two minutes in, the room's almost flashing over. Uh, Within two and a half minute, minutes, flashover has occurred. So from the time the smoke alarm goes off to where flashover occurs, you don't have much time to get out. And that's why we'll get into talking about the home escape planning and about smoke alarms, why they're so important. So let's watch this. This is about as big as you would attempt to try to put out with a fire extinguisher. This is too big for a fire extinguisher. You want to stay to a waste paper basket sized fire when using an extinguisher and you want to make sure you call 911 first and keep your back to the exit. The smoke alarm is outside of the living room in the hallway. There's a lot of smoke in that room smoke alarm hasn't started going off yet. It's not going off yet. Okay, now it's going off. The smoke alarm is going off in the hall. Up near the ceiling, it's about a thousand degrees. And that heat is radiating down. Pretty soon you'll see the, uh, that recliner, the recliner that's in the room is gonna start smoking and it will uh, ignite by itself. The fire is on the other side of the room, but the chair is gonna light up 
all by itself because of the radiant heat. Okay, the smoke alarm went off at almost two minutes. Now it's two minutes, 30 seconds, and the whole room is flashed over. So again, when the smoke alarm goes off, you don't have much time. You need to get out. Okay, uh, back in 2013, there were 98,000 structural fires and 325 civilian deaths, 3,900 civilian injuries, and about 1.6 billion in property damage. That was in 2013. In 1980, the statistics were worse, 143,500 structural fires with 1,025 civilian deaths and 3,600 civilian injuries. About the same amount of property damage, but the, the deaths in and injuries were a lot higher in 1980. That's because we're getting better at preventing fires. There's some additional statistics here. You can see uh, from 1980 to 2013, there's been a 47% reduction in civilian deaths and 38% reduction in civilian injuries. Smoking has been a major cause of fire for years. 32% um, of the leading uh, of uh, fire-related deaths were caused by smoking, and that's, that statistic includes smoking materials. So the, the um, match that was used to light up the cigarette and thrown in the garbage can, uh, that's included in that statistic. Heating, cooking, and electrical still continue to be major causes of fire. Three out of five home fire deaths resulted from fires of property without working smoke alarms. One quarter of these fatal fire uh, alarms were, were present, but the devices did not work. Why didn't the devices work? The battery. Yeah, the battery wore out and it wasn't replaced, or maybe it started chirping and uh, because the battery was low and it got taken out, but it never got replaced with a new one. Or maybe a um, piece of uh, toast burnt uh, in, the, in the kitchen and set off the alarm. And to keep it from going off, somebody removed the battery. So uh, a working smoke alarm will reduce your chances of dying in a fire by 50%. Here's some... Uh, Damage resulting from a, a fire. If we could clean this up and make it safe enough for you to go in there, there's very little left, as you can see. Here's a closet. No clothes left. Just total devastation from fires. All right, thank you. So here in San Francisco, uh, we have a lot of residential units, 380,000. And half of them were built before 1940. 
And the age of the building is very significant because they're built under earlier codes. So every year, um, construction industry develops code updates. Codes are always being improved. But because our most of our housing was built before these codes kept on being improved, we're still under the old codes. So we don't have the benefit of the modern technology applied in a lot of our buildings. 60% are three units or more and 20,000 are apartment buildings. The most prevalent construction type is non-rated wood frame construction. And what you see in non-rated wood frame construction built before 1940 are more voids in the buildings, more attic spaces, more empty spaces that the fire can occupy when it's spreading and spread faster. This is why our housing stock is fragile and we have to do everything we can to prevent fires from happening. Okay, what's the next one? Non-rated wood frame construction. It burns through construction materials faster. Rapid fire extension and void spaces. The building collapses quicker because you lose the structural strength because it's built out of wood. The wood adds fuel to the fire. It combusts, it spreads. It can spread to adjacent properties. And this is another big issue that we have is when fires spread from one building to another building. And the people are, are affected not just in the building where the fire started, but they could be affected on to the right, building to the right, building to the left. The buildings on the corners, those are the most vulnerable because you have going around the corner and around to another city block. It's a big issue here in San Francisco. Older buildings can have hidden deterioration, can have older electrical systems, older alarm systems. The fire suppression requirements are nominal in these buildings, and we'll get to that later. Um, let's go to the next slide. So there are a lot of vulnerable areas in the event of a fire. There's a lot of high-risk activities, like we, we just saw with smoking and cooking, candles, uh, I had a friend once who had these, uh, she was like a goth girl, and she had stuff draped down from the ceiling and wooden branches from trees and leaves all over the place, and she lit candles up all over the time, all the time. And there was a fire in her room, and luckily it got put out quickly, but we had to tell her, you can't have that kind of stuff in your room. It's just, it's just asking for trouble. Unattended, unauthorized cooking appliances, Storage areas without sprinklers, which are in uh, buildings with smaller than five units, you see a lot of those. Uh, garbage areas, chutes without sprinklers, that's a vulnerable area. Egress obstructions, like we have to, you have to be planning your path out of the building if it's on fire. So when you see things that are blocking the way out that maybe your neighbor put on the stairs, like a, some plants, things like that, to me, that's telling me that the na that, that neighbors doesn't really care that much about what's going to happen and that they really ought to be thinking about their, their neighbors more. Light wells with garbage or debris. Someone smoking a cigarette throws it into the light well. 
there's garbage down there. That's how a fire starts. And we, we have programs here in the city um, through the Code Enforcement Outreach Program, uh, which we have the San Francisco Apartment Association as a member, Housing Rights Committee of San Francisco as a member. Uh, we have five groups. We have the SRO Collaboratives. We're trying to educate people that live in the city, don't throw a cigarette into a light well. Don't throw anything into a light well. They need to be kept clean. It's for rain and drainage and air, okay, not for cigarettes. Roof areas. So you're going to have a, f a, f a firefighter up on that roof one day. Hopefully not, but it could happen. You're gonna ha it's going to be dark. You're going to have stuff up there. You're going to be tripping all over the place. They're not going to be able to put the fire out. Inoperative encumbered fire escapes. The other day I saw a bike locked to a fire escape. Okay, that is not going to help when it's dark and someone's trying to get down that fire escape. Defective unauthorized wiring. And so a lot of times when there's a fire, the power goes out. So you're not going to be able to have visibility. So with things that are in the way of you getting out of the building, you have to make sure that it's clear. Okay, imagine if you can't see very well. Imagine if you're trying to get down in the dark. Think about these things. So the next picture, yeah, see, oh, here we have a roof. We have all kinds of stuff on this roof. All these wires. For If you're a first responder, that's a really difficult situation right there. Okay, next we have okay, early detection in apartment buildings. Fire detection in apartment buildings, smoke alarms. Very important. They're required in all units. Central alarm systems and control panels, like the one we have here. You know, we have a lot of older alarm systems. Uh, buildings of five units or more, three or more stories have alarms, pull stations, smoke detectors, audible alarms. You have uh, local supervision on the alarm system. Um, they're not monitored by a central thing. That, you know, there are, there are some apartment buildings that have it, but it's not required. Um, if you see a red light flashing on one of these things, you should tell the, the owner of the building, and you should tell the fire department or the Department of Building Inspection will come out right away, and we'll, uh, we'll take care of that, get that taken care of. There should be a sticker on this alarm system that tends what, tells you when it was certified. That's another thing to look for, and if it's not certified, you should report it. Nine percent of all violations of the housing code are fire safety in San Francisco. Almost ten percent. Smoke alarms. Smoke alarms save lives. Over 6,000 deaths occur in house, house fires every year, and most people die from the smoke. Usually the fire doesn't get to them. It's just the smoke that kills you. So, again, you need working smoke alarm in your near your sleeping area where you sleep. Um, does anybody know the difference between a smoke alarm and a smoke detector? Any ideas? Okay. The smoke alarm is a standalone device. It, it uh, makes its own sound, and it has its own power supply. Uh, so you can, it's portable. You can just put it up in a room and it's ready to go. Uh, a smoke detector is dumb. It doesn't make any sound, but it does send a signal. It's, it's uh, part of a, it's hardwired and it's part of a, uh, a fire alarm system. By hardwired, I mean that it's hooked up to the electric household electricity. It's hooked up to the electrical system of the building. 
And uh, again, it sends a signal to the fire alarm system, and then the fire alarm system goes off and wakes you up. So that's the difference between a smoke alarm and a smoke detector. 77% uh, of all fire fatalities in 2005 were in residence. So the fatalities, the most of the fatalities weren't in cars, they weren't at work, they were in people's homes. So we know that having that smoke detector or smoke alarm, they're vital to, to waking you up so you have enough time. And again, because going back to the video that we saw earlier, when the smoke alarm goes off, you have just enough time to get out. You don't have time to go looking for your, your purse or your wallet or pictures of your family or important papers. You have just enough time to save yourself to get out. Oh, going back real quick, you could see those wires on the, uh, on the smoke alarm there. That one's hardwired. It's, again, hooked up to the household electricity. Okay, carbon monoxide alarms. They're required in all residences in California. Carbon monoxide, it's colorless, odorless, tasteless. It works like an anesthetic. It numbs your brain, lowering your level of consciousness, leaving you confused, disoriented, making it hard for you to think. So imagine waking up because of the smoke alarm in the middle of the night, the electricity doesn't work because the fire has somehow shorted the electric, electrical system in the building, and you're having to find your way out with all this smoke and carbon monoxide in the air. If you're sleeping, the smoke puts you into a deeper sleep. You won't wake up. We call carbon monoxide the silent killer. Every year it kills hundreds of people. I think last year it killed about 500 and it injured an additional 20,000 in the United States. So carbon monoxide alarms, if you have a, a hydrocarbon burning appliance, gas-burning appliance like a stove or a furnace or a, um, um, an attached garage or um, a, uh, hydro or a fireplace, then you're required by law to have a carbon monoxide alarm in your home and in your apartment. Uh, carbon monoxide alarms, uh, they should have that UL approval symbol on them for underwriter laboratories, and also they should have the seal for the state fire marshal, uh, state of California fire marshal approved and listed. So they need both of those listings. You'll find them on the packaging. Uh, the same goes for smoke alarms. They should also have both approvals on there. And, uh, and nowadays, they're made uh, with a 10-year battery, 
which is a great improvement because earlier we mentioned about how um, people take the batteries out for false alarms where they forget to change the battery. There was that old slogan, change your clock, change your battery. Um, some people did and some people didn't. Uh, now there uh, are carbon monoxide and uh, smoke alarms available. They're in combination. And again, they have that 10-year battery. They last 10 years. After 10 years, you dispose of the whole alarm. You just change out the whole thing. Uh, the battery is sealed inside. You couldn't get it out if you tried. You, you probably could if you broke the alarm open, but... Um, they're not designed to have the battery removed. You ch just change the whole thing. After a, a certain amount of time, like 10 years, they become uh, uh, not as sensitive to smoke. Uh, they should be mounted up in the sleeping areas. If you have a forced air uh, furnace uh, feeding air into a bedroom, then you need to have a carbon monoxide alarm also in that bedroom. Uh, if you have a combination carbon monoxide alarm and smoke alarm and you put it into that bedroom, that takes care of everything. Uh, we recommend having smoke alarms in the hallway outside of the bedrooms. And um, it's good to sleep with your bedroom door closed at night. So if there's a fire in a, uh, another part of your house, say the living room, the smoke won't get into your bedroom, won't get to you, and the alarm outside in the hallway will go off and wake you up. If um, you sleep with your bedroom door closed, you should probably have an alarm in your bedroom also. So if there's a fire in your bedroom, the smoke alarm in the bedroom will wake you up. We also recommend having smoke alarms on every level of the house, one per level of the home, one in the bedroom and one outside of the bedrooms in the hallway. Uh, here in San Francisco, we have a lot of, uh, we have areas of the city that are densely populated, lots of people living in one unit. Um, sometimes people use the living room as a place to sleep or uh, we've even seen some cases of people sleeping in closets. If that's the case, if that's where you sleep, you need to have a smoke alarm in that area and also a carbon monoxide alarm. That's the reality here in San Francisco. Um, test them monthly. You want to test your alarms monthly. If you can't reach it, use a broom handle. And uh, if you have to change your battery annually, if you have the old style alarms, go ahead and do that. And the old-style alarms, you, you have to replace those also after 10 years. Um, on all alarms, when you hear them uh, chirping, that means that the battery needs to replaced, be replaced. If it's in the ca in case of the 10-year uh, the lithium-ion uh, battery alarms, smoke alarms, uh, change the whole unit because that lithium-ion battery lasts for about 10 years. And then when it starts chirping, you'll hear like uh, one chirp every 45 seconds. So if you hear that, that means you need to change out the whole alarm if it has the 10-year battery, the lithium-based battery.
Okay, thank you, Inspector. Fire suppression in apartment buildings. Now, what we said earlier that here in San Francisco, uh, there is nominal fire suppression in older buildings. And what we mean by that are these are things that are designed to put out the fire. So we have fire extinguishers, um, and we have to make sure they're the proper type, and that there's an annual certification tag that's got a punch in it. There are sprinkler systems. Um, they have to be maintained. There has to be the proper sprinkler head ceiling clearance. They're required in garbage rooms, chutes, and storage rooms or storage areas, and some corridors that are dead ends over 20 feet, the laundry chutes and linen rooms. So new codes for construction are not typically retroactive, but we, we do have some uh, legislation that passed last year uh, for existing buildings. Um, and that is that owners uh, are, will now provide information to renters on the importance of the smoke alarms uh, and post a notice in the building um, so that uh, the, the people that live in the buildings know how important it is to keep your smoke, smoke alarm in working order um, or to report it if it's not in working order. And we've already seen, as a result of this, uh, many, many owners having building meetings uh, to educate their residents, um, ho holding fire drills. Um, we've seen a really a lot of uh, heightened awareness in the last couple of years, and I, I believe that people are becoming more conscious. Um, fire alarm systems um, in some of the older buildings are going to be upgraded to uh, NFPA 72. So that's going to get us some of that modern technology uh, that we need. And attic blocks um, are going to be installed. Um, and that's good. The, the couple of feet near the ceiling um, that's going to prevent these fires from spreading and destroying other buildings or possibly killing people in, or injuring people in other buildings. So I think that's very significant, and that was passed last year unanimously. Um, so the next slide we have is, uh, yeah, egress in apartment buildings. Keep the second means of egress clear for escape. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, doors and windows to fire escapes have to be openable. They have to be openable so that people can get out if there's a fire. Uh, don't store things in the hallway. Keep the hallways clear so people can get out if there's a fire, okay? Fire escapes have to be unencumbered. They have to be serviced on a regular basis and fully operational. Um, if you see that someone's put something underneath where the drop ladder is, that's something that you got to report right away. So we, we have people that love their, they open a new business and they put this great awning up in front of their new restaurant and it's right underneath the drop ladder of the fire escape. It's like, how, how, can you, how is somebody gonna get out if there's a fire? So keep an eye out for those things. Let us know we're always uh, seeing these and writing these things up and making sure that uh, those get fixed. Double cylinder locks on exit doors. Okay, those are not allowed. Exiting the secret means of egress, you have to be able to open it up from the inside. You can't have require a second key on the inside or a combination lock or any special knowledge on how to open that door. Uh, 
you can't have security bars on an exit door without a manual release. And you have to have proper signage. Now, some older buildings, it's not illuminated, um, but some buildings it is illuminated. But um, you need to maintain the proper exit signage. And keep in mind that it may be dark when this, you know, an event occurs. So remind people that live in the building, don't block the exits. Make sure there's a second means of egress at all times. Maintenance in apartment buildings. Observe the proper occupancy loads. Uh, don't permit dangerous flammable storage. Uh, we, we do have this uh, phenomenon called hoarding and cluttering. Um, it's not just in San Francisco. It's, you know, it's all, over the, all over the country. And uh, at, at DBI, we have a special expert that um, has background in dealing with people with mental disabilities and uh, has special training in how to gradually, over a period of time, work with a person to um, reduce the amount of clutter and hoarding that they have in their unit, which can impact other people in other units um, in the event of a fire. Maintain roofs. Do not add fire load. Do not install roof decks without the perm proper permit. We had one of those yesterday. Christina, she's still here. Remove wiring and other obstacles. We saw that picture. So, um, Electrical wiring. Don't do that. You see that picture? Properly maintain electrical wiring. If you're changing the wiring, install it with a permit. Let us check it out. Make sure that you're doing everything right. Repair damaged or frayed wiring. And um, the chief electrical inspector has three, has, you know, has these warning signs essentially, which are sparking, if you see sparks. Uh, circuit breakers tripping frequently or electrical elements that are warm to the touch. So if you touch it and it's getting really warm or hot, that could be a warning sign. Okay. Proper maintenance in apartment buildings. Do not change occupancies without a permit. Install gas appliances without a permit. Use unauthorized cooking appliances. Place combustibles near a heat source. That's a no-no or use unauthorized heating sources. And within your, your unit, please report hazards to the landlord promptly. And the landlord will be appreciative because um, it's their property, it's their investment. Um, when you report something you know, right away, that helps, uh, helps a small problem from growing and costing more in the long run. Uh, don't leave food on the stove or in the oven unattended. Don't leave candles burning unattended or cigarettes. Don't overload extension cords or outlets. Or, and please don't disconnect the smoke alarm. So in the terms of prevention and awareness, uh, these are all really good ideas. Uh, have a periodic evacuation drill. Um, so everybody is aware that you know you're living together in a small. You may be living together in a small space. You and your neighbors know what what's going to you know if something happens, what they're supposed to do. They've practiced it. If they've practiced it, you're going to remember. You're going to know what you're supposed to do and how to get out. 
clear view of the building number. Sometimes, you know, you have a tree or a, or a bush or something that's growing over the, your number. Make sure that you can, like a, a first responder can see the number. If it's the middle of the night, it's dark. How, how is a first responder supposed to know that that's the building if you can't see the address of the building? Landlords are to maintain fire safety items. And it's always a good idea to walk your property every so often, at least once a year or, or more often, you know, hopefully twice a year, you know, just to, to check, do a check. Uh, building occupants should have a, an escape plan. Tents should report the hazards promptly. If you don't get a response, you should call us. Uh, you could call the Department of Building Inspection. You can call the Fire Department. We also have the community outreach uh, uh, programs out there that can help you. And you can report it anonymously. It always helps if you leave a contact information, even though the complaint is anonymous, so that an inspector knows what you're talking about. They can call you. You can help point it out, whatever the issue may be. They may, they may need some help accessing the area where the violation is. So how, how is the building going to perform, you know, on this block in, the, in case if there's an event? That's what we're trying to make sure that the, the building systems are going to perform the way they're supposed to. And we have a, this incredible fire department with 1,500 people um, that always performs well, does an incredible job. Um, especially given the fragile state of our aging housing stock. And then the issue of adjacent properties, I just wanted to you know, mention to you that uh, it was the day after Thanksgiving and I was in my mid-20s. And uh, apparently a person that lived in an adjacent property caused an explosion in the basement. And the, the fire spread, and uh, I was lucky enough to get out of there. But uh, my neighbor wasn't that lucky. Uh, so that I, I never forget that. So it's important to plan ahead and remember that these fires can spread from one building to, to your building. Be aware of the light wells in the adjacent buildings, the stairway systems, egress. Uh, when planning your escape, and report hazards promptly, and if you don't get a response, please call. We have live operators standing by during business hours, 558-6220, uh, and there's also the fire department, and you can call anonymously. When you have an emergency, uh, always provide your name. Uh, Describe what the emergency is so that we can send the right resources and the exact address, including your apartment number. Um, added directions like the rear of the building, the side, you know, all those uh, little uh, directions would, would be helpful. Uh, and a phone number where you can be reached. Um, 911 is probably one of the most commonly cause, called uh, government agency numbers. Uh, we get calls for uh, things like maybe uh, somebody, uh, a, male we, a, a good meaning, uh, good Samaritan calls and they say, well, we, um, 
there's a bunch of fire engines out here on the street. There's a big accident and fire. Well, that's something that uh, just is just adding to the call volume. It's probably it might be the 25th call. If there are already fire engines there, you don't need to call us. So just be careful when calling 911. Um, there's also 311. They're a good resource for all kinds of uh, other things, parking problems, uh, graffiti, uh, trash that's been dumped. So 311 is a, a great resource. Um, and leave 911 for, for all of us when we need an emergency. Home escape plans. Uh, in uh, apartment buildings, you'll see escape plans already made up. Typically, you'll find them near the exits and also, or also near the elevator lobbies. Um, first part of the plan is uh, the exits route marked out by a green dotted line or a green pathway, pathway highlighted in green. Um, also, when these plans are mounted up on the wall, they're oriented to the layout of the building. So by looking at where you are, you'll see a symbol on the plan that shows you where you are and the direction of the exit pathway, you'll be able to figure out how to get to the stairs. And if you have trouble finding your way to the, stair the stairs, look for the exit signs. The exit signs will have green arrows attached to them, pointing the way to the, to the stairways. And when you're on your way down the stairs, if your building has a fire alarm system, you may find fire alarm pull stations near the stairwell exit door. Pull the fire alarm before you go down the stairs. And as you're leaving the building, close the door behind you. Never open any doors that are hot to the touch. Okay, always test them. Use the back of your hand. Save your palms for crawling, opening windows, and calling 911. So use the back of your hand. Start out at the bottom of the door. If the bottom of the door feels hot, then you know what's on the other side. If it's not hot, slide your hand up the door. Try touching the knob. If that's hot, you know what's on the other side. If that's not hot, continue sliding your hand up the door or over the crack of the door. If it gets hotter as you're going up, you know what's on the other side. If that's not hot, the top of the door is not hot, still be careful. If the door opens outward, use the wall as protection. Get behind the wall and slowly crack the door open. If smoke and heat start pouring into the room, lean back and pull the door shut. If you don't get a lot of smoke and heat pouring in, there's just a little bit of smoke in the hall, you can get on your hands and knees and crawl out underneath the smoke. If the smoke starts to hurt your eyes, you can feel along the walls to find your way out. If you practiced, if you had fire drills in your home or you thought about how to get out, you'll know how many doorways it is to both stairways. If there's a stairway on either side, on both sides of the building, know how many doorways it is to each stairway, to each enclosed stairwell. So that you, you know, if you have to feel along the walls, you can count the doorways and find your way out. And then once you escape, once you're out, notify the fire department. So have your cell phone, you know, it's always a good idea to keep the cell phone by your, uh, by your bed uh, so you can call us uh, when you get out. And then if you're trapped, 
if you're trapped by a fire. And you need to have a designated meeting place outside the building, a place where, and everybody that you live with knows where this meeting place is. You know, lots of times uh, when we pull up to a burning building, we'll see some people standing outside, and they'll come to us and they'll say, oh, my, my mom's still inside the house. And uh, we'll ask, well, uh, uh, you know, what the, what the room number is. And we'll ask, you know, do you, do you know if she was in the apartment? And, you know, people will just say, I don't know, I don't know. So it's a, it's a huge advantage if you can, uh, if you have a pre-designated meeting place outside already and everybody that you live with knows where that meeting place is. When you get there, you take a head count. Find out if anyone's missing. Um, if, in, if anybody's missing, you're going to tell us when we get there. Once you are out, you stay out. Never go back inside. Remember the video that we watched earlier, all the smoke and heat? And we talked about carbon monoxide. There's also additional poisons, hydrogen cyanide that comes from burning plastics and synthetics. It's the same gas that's used in the gas chamber. So once you're out, never go back inside. Leave the rescuing to us. We have the self-contained breathing apparatus with the air bottles on our back. We have protection. That's, you've seen those coats that we wear and the helmet. All that protects us. And we go in with the hose. The hose is our real protection. Without that hose in a place that's rolling, we wouldn't last too long because of the heat. The hose is our protection. It, the water comes out, cools the fire, we stay low. Okay, you don't have any of that stuff. It, it, if you go back inside, you may as well be on Mars. That's how hostile it is. So once... Never go back, not for people, pets, or things. Okay, if you can't get out, if you're trapped by the fire, the door was hot, or the hallway was already filled with smoke and heat, and you had to pull the door shut or slam the door shut, you couldn't get out. Try to make your way to a room where there's an outside window, a room that faces the street. Stuff towels. Close all the doors behind you. Create as many barriers between yourself and the fire as possible. Stuff a towel underneath the door to keep smoke from coming in through the cracks under the door. Um, if there's a phone, call 911 right away. If you've got your cell phone, use that to call us right away. Tell us what floor you're on, what room number you're in, what apartment, uh, what street your window faces. Even if you see us outside the building, call us. Still call us. Tell us where you are. Stay near the window. Try to be seen. Hang a sheet out of the window or tear the curtains down or hang that out of the window or your coat or a jacket, something, anything. When we pull up to a building that's on fire, the first thing we look at are all the windows. If we see a sheet or a, a, a pillow or something hanging out of the window, we're going to focus on that window and we'll see you. Our ladders will reach the roof of a seven-story building, okay? We have all, lots of ladders, um, so we can go up as high as the roof of the seven-story building. Um, if you have a flashlight, that's another good way to single, signal us. Don't open the window all the way. If you open up the window all the way, it's going to create a draft. 
Hot likes to go to cold. It's hot where the fire is. It's cold outside, outside of the window. If you open the window all the way, the fire is going to want to go out the window. So just a little bit, maybe a few inches, enough to get air, okay, for your nose and mouth and, and hang that sheet out of the window, okay, and signal us with a flashlight. Do not break the window. If you break the window, you will create an uncontrollable draft. So be patient. Be patient. Fire uh, doors. Doors will slow down the fire. Um, even older construction, if the door is closed, the fire is going to, it's going to take a little while bef before the fire burns through the door and the walls. We can be anywhere in San Francisco within two to three minutes of your call. There are 40, 45 stations strategically spaced out throughout San Francisco, so we can do that. So be patient. It always seems like it takes forever for us when you're in that burning building. But trust me, we go as fast as we can. Okay, and, and just be patient. Don't panic. Stay on the phone with us and talk to us. Okay. Um, if you need to contact us, uh, you have complaints or you see a fire hazard, you can contact the fire department, Bureau of Fire Prevention at 558-3300 and the Department of Building Inspection at 558-6220. And you can, um, our website, San Francisco Fire Department's website is at uh, sfgov.org slash fire and the Department of Building Inspections website is sfdbi.org slash housing okay. um, San Francisco Fire Department we do offer uh, trainings on fire safety for groups neighborhood groups so if you have a neighborhood group that meets uh, uh, on a monthly basis or periodically and you want us to come out and do a training for you, we have a PowerPoint, uh, and we go over home escape planning, basic fire safety skills, what to do if you should discover a fire, smoke alarms, carbon monoxide alarms, fire extinguishers, how and when to use them, basic earthquake awareness and preparedness information, and we have a simulator. Uh, it's a digital... Um, fire extinguisher training simulator. It, we can use it indoors. It doesn't spray powder. Uh, the ex it looks like a fire extinguisher, but out of the nozzle comes a, a laser beam. When you point the laser beam on the, the screen where the simulated fire is, when the laser beam hits the screen, the simulated fire goes out as you go along. So it's, it's a lot of, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. So. We're uh, here for you. We bring out pamphlets on fire safety from the National Fire Protection Association. Um, so the information that we pass out and that we give you is uh, the latest information and the most reliable. It, well, as I mentioned earlier, we were, we're going to stay here to answer questions. Does anybody have any, any questions? First of all, we want to thank you for a really complete presentation. And we have time for just a couple of questions, and please use the microphone. 
Excellent presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm a handyman, and I work for a lot of landlords, um, and I replace uh, smoke detectors. Can you clarify exactly what the code is regarding CO detectors? Because I get, I, I'm unclear. I mean, I, I see best practice is in forced air heating, uh, buildings with forced air heating, they should be in every bedroom. But what exactly is the code? Okay, I'll, I'll take a shot at this. Um, if you have a hydrocarbon burning appliance in the building, then um, you should have a, okay, this is what, smoke detectors? Oh, carbon monoxide. Okay, if you have a hydrocarbon burning appliance within that building, then you should have a carbon monoxide alarm or in a, also an attached garage you should have carbon monoxide alarms in your building uh, protecting the sleeping area. So near the sleeping area, if you have forced air heating, okay, and that heating, it's say like central heating, and it burns gas, it uses gas, a hydrocarbon burning furnace, and it forces air into the bedroom. Now you need a, a carbon monoxide alarm in the bedroom, okay? Uh, otherwise, let's say you have uh, uh, steam heating. It's got the old type of steam heater. Uh, you don't have a hydrocarbon burning appliance in the bedroom, but you do have the attached garage, or you do have like um, a hot water heater that burns gas in the building. Okay, so that, that's a hydrocarbon burning appliance. So now that triggers you having to have carbon monoxide alarms in the units to wake people up, okay? And, but outside of the bedroom would be sufficient in like the, um, out in the hallway, outside of the sleeping area. But again, if there's like four stair into each bedroom, now you need it in the bedroom and outside in the hallway too. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. Hi. So my question is, I recall the uh, city passed a number of new s fire safety requirements mm -hmm. uh, with deadlines varying from January, March, and July. I went to the website recently and noticed under the fire safety disclosure section where you have to send out a letter to all the tenants and they have to sign it, return it. That section says under revision right now. So yes. what's going on? Is there a new deadline? Are you guys... Uh, deadline is next January. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, good. And have you guys uh, softened some of the requirements? <laughs> it's quite none, onerous. None of the requirements have changed. None of them? No. Is there a plan to change some of them? Or is, is it just the deadline's been moved? The deadline for, for the certification was always... That's when it always was. I can talk to you more about it. Okay. Afterwards. Very good. Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much for a wonderful presentation. Uh, one question uh, you mentioned about things to do in case of fire, and it was very detailed, and these sheets were wonderful, but I was wondering if, there, if we can have any kind of access online for de detailed information, even the issues that you mentioned. If you break a window, it's not good, uh, whatever it is. So. Because, as, as you mentioned, if when there is a fire, there isn't really much time to think. Yeah, yeah, we can. We're always looking to try to improve the website, and um, 
we will do that. It's um, uh, our plan to periodically update, you know, according to the season. So like when uh, the winter months roll around, that's our fire season for the city because people do things like putting the heater too close to the or portable electric heater too close to the, the sofa or too close to the bed or the curtains and fires get started that way. So, yeah, we'll look for updates on the website. Yes, we will do that. website you meant, slash fire. That's, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, there's also sf-fire.org. That's, that's another website address. Um, so look for periodic uh, updates. Thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. Should be our last questioner here. Thank you. Um, I learned a lot as you saw me taking all your notes. Um, my question is I live in a 1912 building and we still have the old tube and knob electrical wiring. And I saw one of the, the things you need to worry about is um, electrical wire nearing its end of life cycle. So how do I determine whether it's, you know, it's still being used. Well, you could give us a call, uh, and we could also uh, maybe refer you to the electrical division. Okay, thank you. Sure. Thank you. It's been a great day. Really appreciate your kind attention and your in your presence. You've helped really uh, make it feel really worthwhile all the work that went into this event. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.